0: What have he done to my father? He's resting, and he's fine, just like you, and he knows you're all right, and he sends his love, and he wants you to cooperate with us. You're a liar! No, what kind of talk is that from a nice little girl like you? Go to hell! Oh. A very stubborn, nice little girl. I know you'll find this hard to believe now, Charlie, but, uh... you and me are gonna be pals. Never.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to take me to your reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James, and I'm Colin. And this time, we're going to be talking about our very first Stephen King. So we have never, never really? previously discussed oh. Stephen King here.
0: never Thought about that, uh,
1: all but right. <laughs> Colin's younger son. I think Tim, we've all
0: been real, rather exposed to Stephen King, though prior to this, though.
1: Uh, let's talk about that in a moment. Um, sure. Uh, Colin's younger son Tim wanted to pick something for us and so he looked through the list
2: and i guess firestarter ah. was on there Firestarter's on the list so uh, that's
0: well, how we decided to do this one huh <laughs> yeah
2: yeah do you remember you were brought in on that decision should we let him yeah. pick
1: <laughs> fool <laughs> you said yes so it's a 1980 <laughs> book and 1984 film and that's what we're going to be talking about so yeah previous experience with firestarter
2: anybody read it saw the movie in the 80s okay lived to
0: tell the tale what about you jim I'm pretty sure I've seen the movie in the '80s uh, because I remember bits and pieces of it. But watching it now, I was like, "Oh man, (laughs) we should have watched it on VHS." I I was uh, yes, actually, (laughs) I was the only
1: complete virgin here. I I had not read book or seen movie. I remember the trailer for it, and I think my sisters might have gone because they were when it came out. I think my oldest sister was like 16, um, so they might have gone with another with a family. Um, Oh yeah, it's not really a family movie. Not so much, um, though. it's... In that it is rated R, it's a 1984 <laughs> R. Although it's funny when you look at another R-rated movie from that year, Terminator. You mm-hmm. know, it actually had nudity right. and and a lot of language. Um, where yeah. this
2: one, not so much, but we'll, and a we'll lot get, more violence. Yeah, the level for R is quite a bit different these days than it was back then. Yeah, well, there, that that was well, back before PG thirteen. So
0: apparently, even back then, there was, it wasn't very well defined back then. I guess maybe. Because when you're comparing R and Terminator and R and Firestarter, I mean, eh. Well, it just means the level <laughs> way,
2: way, way down here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so back to what you said about uh, being familiar with, with Stephen King. I, I have right. to admit to being mostly a Stephen King neophyte. I, I read... Oh, yeah. The only Stephen King that I've read is 112263 and Firestarter. I listened to the Gunslinger once.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember your comments about that. But oh, it doesn't yeah.
1: count because I listened to it. Audiobooks don't count, people. <laughs> at least not for me uh so but but, but there are adaptations like, there are Stephen King adaptations and I've seen I've seen no 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 I mean the
0: f- audiobook is an adaptation no it's not
2: <laughs> yes it is I, I
1: can I can dig up the audio of <laughs> arguing about that you <laughs> <know>. same story to <laughs>
0: me yeah I'm pretty sure we've had this argument before and on air <laughs>
1: yeah. if okay I will I will say to to whatever extent they are adapted it's very very <laughs> little um, since it's exactly the same words, right? Just, just performed, so yeah. whatever performance can be brought to it, right? And there's some transformation that can can take place there, right? Because if you just like have your Kindle read it to you, that's not going to be the same experience as having a good, true, actor, a voice
0: right? actor, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But James, what's your experience with Mr. King? Um, probably more watching than reading, but I've read the. Well, actually, that's not true because I read the entire Dark Tower series. That's a lot of books. And then I and then he had this little anthology series that I read too. I Colin knows the name of it. What was it? Four Past Midnight. Nope. Try again, Skeleton Crew. That's it, Skeleton Crew. Thank Skeleton you. Skeleton Crew. Yes. <laughs> nice. Long time ago, when I was a kid, I think. Nice. Ah, uh, right. Yeah.
1: No, see, I was told that reading Stephen King could possibly get me demon possessed.
2: Ah,
0: the
1: kind of church. Nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I was told that the
0: only way he could be pro- so prolific was the fact that he had sold his soul to the devil. Oh, ah, brilliant. Or was demon possessed, or both. Right. And I'm pretty sure I've seen Pet Sematary like a million times because it was always on TNT back in the day. Like in the '90s, I think mm. it was always on TNT. Yeah, Anthony Daniels. <laughs>
2: What's well, not to like?
0: Yeah, so I've seen that a bunch of times. I've seen a bunch of other Stephen King movies too.
2: Nice. And what about you, Colin? Have you have you dabbled in in Stephen King before? Fortunately for you two guys, I think I've got most of Stephen King's books pretty much wrapped up. Right. I don't know that I've read all the short story anthologies. Mm-hmm. And I'm missing a small handful of books. Mm-hmm. Gerald's Game. I did not know that was the title of a Stephen King book. That's your is, second <laughs> problem.
1: It, is it published under a different name? Because I know that like Firestarter was Richard Bachman.
2: No, Firestarter was Stephen King.
1: Oh, they credited him as Richard Bachman in the film based on the, the, the novel Firestarter by Richard Bachman. Serious? Did you not see that in the in the credits? On Wikipedia, it says Stephen King. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going I by. I thought
0: and the, the movie the poster book. had Stephen King on it.
1: Like it's the, the it's movie? possible, but but in the, the title. In, in the actual title credits, it's in, really? yeah, Richard Bachman. Huh.
0: Interesting. I, I wonder if he was...
2: You know, we've talked about authors who were concerned about having their works adapted, and yeah, so they right. changed the name under which they were attributed. Right. I was wondering if if he was concerned about that now. Possible. And we'll, we'll talk yeah. about if we, if we think he should have been. Know, <laughs> at some
1: point. But, so you had not previously read this one, James, right? No. And Colin, you had ages ago. Yes. And now you read it twice in the last few weeks?
2: Just to make sure I was good and solid on it, it's not <laughs> a small book.
1: Right. Just to just to shame me for how long it took me
2: to read, and to it. shame you, since I read the <laughs> yes. I read both of our books way before you did. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, no. The ultimate shame is that I finished it before he did. That's and okay. Were you sober and did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you,
1: you, you know you should you should just bottle some of whatever you drink and call it uh, you know Ralston Readfast Elixir right? or something. <laughs> Speed reading elixir. Yes. All right. So let's talk about the book then. Okay. 1980, it came out. 1980 was a very good year. I was in second grade, first grade, somewhere around there. James was born.
0: Yes, that is correct.
1: (laughs) I was in fourth grade. All right. Yeah. So, Firestarter. It's uh, Stranger Things.
2: Oh, my goodness. It's a a lot of things. Let me see if I can give it a a quick summary. Yeah, there we go. There is a government experiment run by a um, clandestine government organization. Called The Shop. Called The Shop. And... The result of that is that two people from the experiment fall in love and have a daughter. And it turns out that through the experiment, that the mom and the dad were gifted light levels of of psychic powers, Mm -hmm. mental domination and telekinesis. um, And telepathy. And some telepathy. But their daughter had large levels of very strong psychic powers. Right. Right. And kind of a grab bag of them too. Depending on which
0: source we're talking about.
2: Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the book.
0: Yeah, I guess the the movie was a little different for Andy as well.
1: It was still mental domination.
0: Yeah, but it it looked like well we can get to it, when we get to the movie. I yeah, yeah yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, so Andy's Andy's power is pretty in the book, The Dad, mm-hmm. um, is pretty extensive. It's just it takes a toll on him. Oh, right. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting angle on things. The idea that maybe having powers is a blessing and a curse, you know, it'd be nice to be able to get people to do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it causes a little micro aneurysms or something, cost? then in
2: your brain, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be great.
1: Although it never really goes into what precisely is going on in his head. But but right. as the book goes, he starts noticing numb parts on his face. And so it's like he's having strokes almost. Right. That's
0: yeah. what it kind of seemed like to me, like he's having little mini strokes. And, and the small ones do tend to go away over time. Right.
2: But eventually... Mm-hmm. Um, toward the end of the book, he has a he gives a, a great big super push, which is what he calls changing somebody's mind for them. He calls it a push, um, and then he ha- actually has a very significantly large blind spot or right. a numb spot, which comes and does not go away. Right. So yeah, I think you're right with the you know little blood vessels breaking in his yeah, brain. Something in right. the
1: wiring there is it, the circuitry gets overloaded. The movie accentuates that because he gets a nosebleed every time he uses it. Right, which is is that's kind of a standard sci fi trope. You see that lots of places, most notably recently in Stranger Things. Yeah. Anytime Eleven right. did any teak stuff. Um, but I've seen it in like uh, in Heroes, right? Matt Parkman, when he was pushing people's minds or reading minds, he'd get nosebleeds if he tried too hard.
2: Yeah. So I did spend some time figuring out or trying to remember whether or not this is the original source of that particular uh, thing about, you know, use your, use your mind powers, get a nosebleed. Because like you've just mentioned, we've seen it in other places. Yeah. And what'd you come up with? Uh, nothing. (laughs) Which only tells me I probably don't know enough about sci-fi from the 60s and 70s. Right. You know, the the whole government experiment, I think that's a complete 1960s era thing.
0: Well, yeah, he even, Stephen King even mentioned that in the afternoon.
2: That there were definitely experiments about trying to bring out psychic
0: powers. He he talked notably about, yeah, Russian and American black ops programs that were trying to... Or went went even all the way back to Nazi programs Hmm. that were trying to... um, Establish some sort of psychic powers, and they the, the Nazis experimented a lot on twins, trying to establish psychic links between twins, to right? Telepathic links, I should say. So I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah, I thought it it was fascinating. After you know, Andy and Charlie, no, the mom, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky. Yeah, um, you know, when Andy calls a friend of his, trying to trying to get support from him, and and the guy goes through this big hypothetical. Hypothetically, if if they had a child who had that kind of talent. They right. just want
2: to keep their head down and, and not tell anybody about it, not yeah. let it be known. Otherwise, you could end up in a room being studied for the safety and security of the United States of America. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: yeah and so you you have a character in the book that's almost like uh, Dr. Mengele, uh from the Nazi death camps. Yes. Only he's – I'm not going to say he's a good guy um, because he's basically saying, no, you need to sanction, sanction these people, meaning – eliminate them because Mm -hmm. they're dangerous yeah but it's hard to argue with his rationale there you know the idea that here's a little tiny girl who can do what she can do and what's going to happen when she hits puberty
2: yeah when when that synthetic hormone they gave her that altered her kicks into full gear when she's when she's a teen teens are so well noted for their emotional (laughs) control right
0: right well in her it's not synthetic right they didn't actually administer anything, though. Right. True. Yeah, yeah. it came to her naturally. Charlie. So it's, yeah.
2: and this
1: is the kind of thing, like, in Stranger Things, where, where Eleven is the daughter of someone who was who given some kind of chemical. Yeah. Um, right. I, was, I was noting, I was mentioning to Colin that um, Fringe, did you ever watch Fringe, James? Yes. They have something similar, because Olivia right. had been treated with Yeah, um, way back in the day. And there's, there's, I remember there's one scene where you see, like, a video clip or a, or a photo of young Olivia in a room, and all the walls are blackened. So Whoa. I liked Fringe. That was a good show.
2: Why don't we talk about the characters in the book? Okay. Well, you, we've kind of talked through them. There's Andy McGee, who's the father, mm-hmm. and he is the sole sur- sole free survivor of the Lot 6 experiment. Right. Um, his wife was Vicky. Vicky was killed Wait, by the shop. the guy
0: in LA? That's why I said free one. Oh. Wait, what guy in California? The guy he was talking to that they lived in California still. He was he was probably the experiment. He was? Yeah. yeah. They, oh, well, They thought he fizzled out. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. So we don't actually know. They
0: thought he fizzled out. He's kind of just left alone. I don't know. Was he actually in prison or something? oh yeah he did go to prison that's right yeah he was yeah.
2: sequestered by the shop i think
0: right but they kind of just leave him alone because he doesn't display any powers i think he's tipped over yeah it probably like would have been like what would have happened to andy if he had gone to maui i suppose
1: yeah i always wondered if he was really going to go to maui if he was going to be like last season's winners in the running man
0: <laughs> right Whitman, Price, and I
1: which which we just watched and we should totally do the running man it's 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 adapted and
2: uh and my son loved that movie and stellar and you've never read it I've never read it, no. So The Running Man is a Bachman book. Yeah. And uh, it is significantly different, which will make great conversation fodder th- for the th- three of us. I
1: think book versus movie, I think uh, the Margo's covered it. Um, I could be mistaken, but they've done a lot of Stephen King. Maybe it was one of the, they've done like, um, Margot D has done like special episodes where she'll have somebody else on mm-hmm. to talk about Stephen King quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was one of those. Uh, but we're not talking about The Running Man, we're talking about Firestarter. Yeah. So let's talk about The Shop. You have Cap, who's who's kind of the... I always pictured him as Ed Harris. I don't know why.
2: Oh. Um, but like, that's the guy that Because Ed pictured. Harris plays
0: a good military man.
2: Yeah. 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 I always saw him as, you know, kind of, it's anti-military, but like long gray hair, which then whitened over the course of him trying to capture Charlie. Oh. Because it talked about how he aged. He right. And his wife died. Yeah. And, right. and his secretary died. and He was kind of all abandoned and alone. Mm-hmm. Captain Hollister. Yeah. And then you have the,
1: the doctors involved. I can't remember what, what was the one. It began with an M, didn't it? Uh, there's Doctor Pincho, Doctor Pinchot and Doctor the- Wainless. Wainless, that's one. Oneless. one-less. one-less yeah, um, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs>
2: I kept wanting to call him Wapner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely Wap- Wapner. At and it was an '80s yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And John Rainbird. John Rainbird, the the, the mystic Indian guy.
0: Right. Who's now British? <laughs> British. George C. Scott? Isn't he British? No, he's American. No, he's American? He's American? No. Just
1: because he was in A Christmas Carol doesn't make him British. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that that was an interesting character. And and I've, I've seen him in other horror novels, you know, the guy who's investigating what death is and, and how to get to the afterlife. And, you know, he kills people and watches to see if he can see where they go and see if he can follow them. Yeah. Um, and so he gets kind of obsessed with Charlie
2: and it's a little creepy. Because of that power... He's obsessed with her, and normally you think about being obsessed with a young girl in an un- right. unhealthy, illegal, immoral, right, pedophilic kind of way. Yeah. But he's really not interested <laughs> about that at all. Right. But he carries it across really well in the movie.
0: Yeah, that's funny because in the movie, I kind of got that pedophile sense at first. I was like, Yeah,
1: uh, this is weird. That's looking back on it from but, from now.
0: Yeah, but in the in the book, I didn't get that sense at all. No, 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 no. Came across very well what he meant and what he was trying to do in the book.
2: Yeah, and that's one thing. I know we've already kind of bridged over to the movie, so I'm going to start hopping, and we yeah, can always sir, slide sure. to one side or the other as we yeah. need. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the book, you're allowed to spend time in the characters' heads, mm-hmm. yeah. and in the movie, you don't so much. And I think yeah. that it lost a little bit in that translation. Definitely,
0: that was Some one of the things I remember I liking particularly about the book because I remember the first transition where so the book starts out all from Andy's perspective.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and then it swaps to the to Cap's perspective, and after I was reading that, I'm like. I like this. I I like the transition they did. And I like how they yeah. they kind of show both sides of the story.
1: Right. Yeah. Everybody's motivations yeah. are totally clear in the book. Mm-hmm. Where in, in the movie, you're kind of like, if you haven't read the book, you might be
0: like, well, yeah. well what's going on here? <laughs> you might be a little confused. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the thing. That's what I thought about the movie is that it, it hit all the major plot points, but I still felt like there was something it missing. It was empty somehow. It didn't yeah. quite flow. Yeah, I, I felt like it was well. pretty much by the numbers.
1: Yeah, for for an eighties movie, it, like it was the skeleton of right. the story, and, but not very fleshed out. Right. Um, the, my main thing about the movie is I felt like it just wasn't very exciting, and the book was quite exciting. Um, yeah, because there's yeah. there's the early on they're being chased um, through New York trying to trying to get out right. of New York, going to the airport um there's that interesting scene where where Andy pushes the cabbie to see a $500 bill instead of a dollar right. bill and just the the early indication that if he pushes too hard mm-hmm. it really takes it out on him the black right. horses yeah the black horses uh, rearing in his in his head and that's that's something that was kind of picked up in stranger things where if she if she does too much she you know keels over and and needs needs rest and egos y- to recover yes. right but then like the the flashback scene to when Charlie is captured and Andy goes after them. Mm-hmm. I really like that, that whole investigation he did where he had to kind of retrace where they went. Um yes. Stops at like the car wash or something and asks somebody to, did you see this? Yeah. Did you see the, the, the pedophile van come by? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that scene in the, like in the um, rest stop or something. Yeah. Um, where, where he comes up. And I liked just how kind of matter of, fact, matter of fact it was, you know, where he just said, you're blind, go to sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah, in the movie, he has to
0: grab his head and throw his elbows out to his side yeah. and yeah. stare at
1: him. Yep. And <laughs> to, I'm
0: sticking at
1: you as hard as right. I can. Yes.
0: <laughs> it seems to be that way with a lot of movies, though, that display psychic powers. Yeah. Like Even if you look at like X-Men, for instance, with Professor X, he does a little hand thing. It reminds me of the, the trope about Harry Potter.
2: I'm pointing my wand at you very strongly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I
1: think that's that's one of the tough things about translating but, yeah. mental powers to the screen. In a book, right. it works perfectly because you know what's going on. Right. Um, but and there's something understated about how how kind of calm he was, and how there was no big flourish. Right. That's not very theatrical. It's very very literary. Yeah. So so I kind of get why they did it the way they did it, but that doesn't mean I like it.
2: That says remake. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I kind of liked that when he was doing it, the, the colors changed that like the screen, the screen kind of lit up when he was using his mental powers, when he was in the cab. Um, so that kind of gave you that, that oh, there's a yeah. wave of, of uh, telepathic power emanating from him. But I think, so I think mm-hmm. I would rather go with just something subtle like that, rather than the big, you know, put your hands on the side of your head and grab right. air, your hair, your eighties flowing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, something just like a change in focus of the environment to show that there was a, Strong focus between him and the person he's trying to push or something, yeah. Yeah, or like the eye contact thing, kind of like in a uh, push, I guess. In push, yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to say, and this
1: this is one where where I I believe I believe you guys need to tell me how right I was about about push. I'll just tell you how not wrong you were.
0: <laughs> we gotta eat
1: <need> some crow. <laughs> no, no, yeah. We were talking about that movie, and the main character in it, Chris Evans' character, is is a teak, right? So yep. so he pushes things with his mind and so and that was the initial thing when i when i heard about it and saw started watching the movie i thought oh it's about the
0: pushing the teak power he's a mover (laughs) but then i was trying
1: to convince you guys no no no, that's not actually what it is even though that seems the obvious answer right the the push is the mental push yeah yeah yeah. Um, and so i had to had to go and look on the wikipedia article it talked about the push
0: i did come across an interesting coincidence with the name charlie what's that so you got charles xavier charlie x Yes. And then that Star Trek episode, Charlie X. Have you, oh, you remember that? Oh,
2: yes.
0: And now Charlie McGee.
1: Th- that was Ron Howard's brother, right? <laughs> the the creep, creepy little kid with the no?
0: no, you're thinking
2: of the Corbomite maneuver. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, this is Charlie X. This is the young teenager that's given superpowers, and he develops the hots for Yeoman Rand. Right. Uh, and his thing is, is, he he rolls his eyes back up in his head. Yeah. Which the, was creepy the screen, as all the get out. The screen blacks
0: out, focuses on his face, and his eyes roll up in his head, and he, like, yeah. and you makes him disappear. Yeah.
1: So that's how they – and so he didn't have to grab the sides of his head? No, he didn't have to grab the
0: sides. Yeah, I even like that better than I like how they did Andy McGee's. Yeah.
2: I want to stay, 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 stay.
0: Oh. And I looked it up too. Apparently Charles Xavier X-Men does predate that episode. Really? Yeah. They introduced uh Charles Xavier in nineteen sixty three. I thought this was just funny the Charlie, Charlie and Charlie, three Charlies.
1: The book I felt like did a good job of anyway. foreshadowing, you know, where where it said, you know, the Events that preceded all the loss of life on that night, you know, uh, (laughs) were precipitated by a storm or something. Yes. Or heralded by a storm. And it's a pretty effective scene when the the lights go out and John Rainbird has tried – he's going to ingratiate himself to the girl by posing as an orderly and somehow developing a relationship with her and trying to get her to start cooperating with the shop.
2: Right. So the shop is captured charlie and andy at that point yeah and now they're trying to make her work because they need a way to validate their program to say yes we want to do more lot six work but Mm -hmm. without evidence of someone that has sustained you know psychic powers it's not going to happen yeah so they've decided to you know they've got pandora's box and they're going to open it Mm
1: -hmm. well yeah and and there's a strong mental block there because andy had told charlie for a long time since she was really little it's a bad thing it's a bad thing yeah and like Dr. Wanless said, you know, what, what do you do with, with a teething child or, you know, mm-hmm. a child who, who doesn't want to go to bed? You know, who can set the on fire?
2: Who can set, <laughs> on fire. Um, who can that, set yeah. you on fire? Yeah, that'd yeah. be terrifying, right? <laughs> yeah. And then what do you do when the one person in her life that's controlled all that gets taken away?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that tells – that's one of the great things about John Rainbird as a villain is, you know, he, he's thinking ahead about all this stuff. And while he's kind of creepy, he, he knows if I can replace her dad – Mm-hmm. I get the I get the control, and then I get what I want. Right. And that is something that he turns around mm-hmm. to teach Charlie later on, after they become friends, after he pretends to be scared in the dark after the power goes out, and they establish that relationship.
0: And-
1: yeah. Yeah, John John Rainbird is a interesting
0: – He's actor. a great, like, actor, though, I suppose. George C. Scott? No, 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 no. no, no the the character him. himself. Like, to be able to manipulate the way he does, like, change – literally change his character, like, in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, going, yeah. going from this crazy assassin to... Well, it was improv too, right? ...ordinary... The, the, the yeah. power
1: goes out and he sees an opportunity. Right. If I make myself vulnerable here and get get her to be right. protective of him... Exactly. ...then that's a great way to foster a friendship. Um, so it was really, really smart yeah.
2: manipulation. Wasn't quite dark enough in the movie, though, in that scene.
1: jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that.
2: <laughs> there was one thing about that whole scene that kind of bothered me, and that is that throughout the book to that point, Charlie has, has shown... Uh four main powers. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll talk through them in order of control and, and, and effectiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's her pyrokinesis. Mm-hmm. So she can light just about anything on fire she mm-hmm. wants. It's very powerful, but she's not in much control of it. Right. She's a teak. Right. She's the one that gets the change out of the mach out of the right. payphones yeah. at the airport. Right. And then here's the, the creep talking about, you know, his girlfriend. Right. And lights the shoes on fire. Deadbeat. She's a precog. Mm-hmm. Right. And then she also seems to be telepathic. In what way? Uh, she knew what they were thinking, so uh, a precog would know what they were doing. And I, I'm making that dis- that distinction mm, arbitrarily. Right. Yeah, it could be her just
1: seeing what they do, and and therefore she doesn't have to think about what they, what they're thinking is borne out by what they what she sees them doing. True. Um, that's kind yeah, of yeah, that's kind of how I saw it. It could one. be a uh, combination of both.
2: I can I could, right? I yeah. can accept that. And all of once once she's captured by the shop, the teak and the precog and the telepathy, they all seem to kind of fade away. Well, they don't know about it either,
1: right? So she she doesn't. Yeah, there's places in the book where you'd think, you know what, that plot might not have worked very well if if she had actually used the precognition
0: again. Yeah, like if she would used the teak to open the doors. I think to that point, though, I don't think she actually realized what she could do with her powers at that point. I don't think she would have ever thought of opening the door if she thought she could. And yeah. they were just trying, they only knew about the fire starter, so they, only, they were only trying to get her to use her fire powers, not right. necessarily anything else. That's true. And, and so she wasn't exercising anything else. She was really just solely focused on pyrokinesis. She probably didn't think about trying anything else with any of her powers at that point. That's true. Because they don't really seem very well developed either.
1: No, right. they're not. Yeah, I get the impression they're a little um, more instinctual. Um, at least the precog stuff. But but yeah. yeah, it is a little convenient that that all of a sudden that goes away when at key moments I yeah. mean she does she does have an insight to John Rainbird. Like she sees the way he smiles at her one time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and thinks there's something not right about that smile, Mm -hmm. but, and it, she kind of flashes back to that when she finally realizes that he's betrayed her.
0: Yes. And I kind of got the sense that her telekinesis was tied to her pyrokinesis in a way that she uses the telekinesis and that soldier's shoes light on fire (laughs) inadvertently. come out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So she has a hard time, you know, using one without dragging in the other for some reason.
1: Yeah, I think, I think maybe using any of her powers make yeah. the other ones possibly come out. Because I got more the impression that she, right. was, she was pissed off at that guy in some way. And so while she was using the telekinesis, it also kind of – the
0: I got that from the movie, out. but not yes. so much in the book, I think.
1: Well, the book does a good job of talking about how the – like the pyrokinesis is a, like a different part of her that she has a hard time controlling. It's almost like a different personality.
2: Yeah, it comes out, and she tries to put it away. So in the book, she's teaking the payphones to get the the change out, and he's in the adjacent booth talking Mm -hmm. to somebody on the phone. In the movie, they bring it right out to the forefront, and he's the one doing the teaking, and she's witnessing this guy, you know- Trying to blow off a pregnant girl. Trying to blow off his pregnant girl, Mm -hmm. and she gets mad at him. Her hair Mm -hmm. lifts up because they turn on the fans (laughs) inside the (laughs) airport, and then all of a sudden, his shoes start smoking. Yeah. But I think he's got the best one-liner in the entire movie. Oh, after he jumps into the toilet. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Might if I put my shoes out first? <laughs> that was funny.
1: That was a pretty nice move too. When it, when when he you right? know went and jumped into the stalls like he had rehearsed that move. It was
2: very smooth and practiced. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because you got to be careful jumping into a toilet bowl. I mean, you could first of all you could be transported That's into true. the Ministry of Magic immediately. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get an inverse swirly. <laughs> the other thing that kind of bothers me just about the whole idea is. Yes, we want to know that she can light fires, but tactically speaking, you're training her control and selectivity mm-hmm. and and also right uh she knows she learns how to challenge yourself. You're creating a weapon from someone that you know is unstable
1: mm-hmm.
0: and someone who you know hates you
1: yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting the the part introduced in the book about the kind of not not two personalities but the fact that after she used the power, she had to sink it somewhere. With, or she'd lose control. Yeah. And so, you know, starting starting with a bucket mm-hmm. of water and then a bathtub yeah. and then then them cooling the room down to, you know, below zero and big blocks of ice and stuff.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, by the time you're, you're lighting cinder blocks on fire,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite
2: That's... a bit of excess heat to be maintained. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Uh, other things about the book. Yes. Stephen King knows how to write an apocalyptic battle ending scene. Yeah.
1: He does yeah. not leave yeah. you
2: wanting for much. No.
1: Well, I th- even even like when it got to um, the incident at the farm, mm-hmm. the Manders farm. Is that what Manders it was that Manders farm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was that was pretty exciting. That was I did great... think
0: they did those scenes pretty well in the movie too. Yeah. I like those. those; those were cool. Yeah,
1: I just I wanted to see chickens popping. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like popcorn. What can I say? I'm, I'm a cruel, terrible person. <laughs> I, I, I mean, wonder it if it ended up on the cutting room yeah, like... yeah, it could be. And and maybe, maybe they thought uh, they didn't want to have to put up. They know chickens were killed or injured right. or otherwise
2: exploded. <laughs> <laughs> well you know, they would have just done the cut scenes like they did with all the other actors who were there right right although some of the special effects in the movie they didn't come out that well like there was at one point she she shot three fireballs which i thought was a great addition to her her ranking of powers right yeah, yeah. and there are these three people running away well the fireballs impact like 20 feet down the slope lower than the people right but then the next cutscene shows them on fire being thrown up the hillside <laughs> yeah there's there's the guy that she blows up into the tree, that was cool. <laughs> yes, that was way cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of that didn't didn't work out so well. And you know the fireballs themselves, I thought were pretty cool. But are we switching yeah. to the movie? I think we're switching to the movie.
2: You know the thing that we haven't said yet is that the movie and the book are immensely similar. Yeah, there are some some. A condensing of scenes, there's a little bit of trading of powers and responsibilities, mm-hmm. but beat by beat, stroke by stroke, they're yeah. almost exactly the same.
0: Yeah. That's kind of what I was, I was alluding to earlier, is that they hit all the right points in the movie.
2: Yeah, it's largely faithful adaptation.
0: Yeah, just didn't flow that well.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. so
1: I guess um, overall thoughts on the book, I mean, usually we do that at the at the top, I guess, but, but I really enjoyed the book. I thought, I thought yeah, uh, I Stephen book. King can write a book.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I would pretty recommend enjoyable.
1: it. So the movie stars Drew Barrymore, and she was, I don't know, 10 years old, maybe? Seven. She was seven when the movie came out? I
2: believe it was seven.
1: I know the character was like six or seven, but. but that, I don't know. She was pretty young. Is, is we what have the we're technology. Saying. Yeah. She was born in 75, so she was nine years so old. So nine years nine. old. Nine. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. So when she was seven hosting Saturday Night Live, that must have come off of
0: E.T. That was probably E.T. That's yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah. Also stars David Keith, not to be mistaken, with Keith, Keith David. David. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I actually like David Keith in this. Uh, you know, one one of the things I liked about the movie was I, th- I thought he was pretty good. And, and despite the fact that I didn't like the you know grabbing the hair, you right. know, pulling his eyes back into slants to, to get his <laughs> t- his his mental domination power out. Yes, um, I did I did enjoy his performance in it. Though they never really showed the effect that his powers had on him. Not really. They you know he got he got. Nosebleeds uh, and, and... Headache like and a bloody and a nose. Headache, right? Yeah. But, but like at the end when, when he dies, they don't connect it very much to the fact that he had just done a really strong push. He also gets shot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, there is the loud, you know, yeah, yeah. insectile metallic sound. Right. And it's really loud. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's taking really hard. Yeah, right, exactly.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, you know, it goes back to the root of the problem of trying to illustrate psychic powers in a film.
1: Yeah. So then for Cap, we had... Martin Sheen. Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. That, that's that's casting. I I don't know. A, he looked just more like a suit than than an old military guy to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ed Harris would have been way too young, right? Yes. But I, but more like a Robert Duvall or oh yeah, Robert. Um, you know, somebody more grizzled is is what I was picturing. Right. And, and Martin Sheen was just a little too young.
2: Yeah. How about a little uh, too uh, pretty, Carradine. David, Carradine. David Carradine? No, no, his father, Keith. Oh, no. Uh gosh. He's been in so many sci-fi things. Really? Yeah. Like what? He was the Dowd in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, I love that guy. He was in an episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, uh, which wasn't necessarily sci-fi, but it was definitely horrific, where he plays the owner owner of a casino Mm -hmm. who wants to gamble. And he wants to gamble the casino, but the the debt he wants from the other side are digits of fingers.
0: (laughs) Nice. <laughs> yes.
2: John Carradine. John Carradine.
0: Yeah, I could
1: definitely see that. Um, or or somebody like um Max von Sydow. Yeah. Um, you know that kind of a character, like like the character that he played in Minority Report. That's that's what mm. I picture. Yes. Um, somebody who's close to retirement or something like that, where Martin Sheen was just a little too. I think they wanted a little more excitement, and he he definitely had some energy. Um, like in the scene where right. he's just freaking out about the fact that they got the actual pirate kisses <laughs> on tape.
2: Yes. Right. But you know, and that's, in that
1: beautiful computer room with all the blinky lights, yes.
2: <laughs> I do like the blinky lights from the computer. Of all the eighties
1: computer rooms I've ever seen, that was the 80s. <laughs>
2: there's a there's a fragility to his character that got lost in the movie, though. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't have a, a huge emotional range because <laughs> he ends up in the book. He's terrified of John Rainbird. You know, it, it's you, and that right. lets you know right away. Right, John Rainbird is not a Everybody's normal of person, right? And uh, while George yeah. Scott does a great job of being John Rainbird, mm-hmm. and both John Rainbirds, you know, John the friendly orderly and John Rainbird the assassin, yeah, I didn't, I wanted to see more ruin in his face, mm-hmm. you know, because it, I think that actually kind of reflected the the evilness in his soul and yeah, but
0: that was one of the things I think lost lost in the uh, adaptation was just everybody's backstory really, yeah. yeah, all those backstories and all the side stories, just mm-hmm. just, yeah, no and- wind suckers. But they did, they did a lot in the movie to kind of streamline and get rid of the kind of subplots and side stories. Yeah. Like they changed the season that he was escaping to the Grantham's place, right? Yeah. yeah or, and the location of Grantham's place or the location of the entire movie was actually different. Right. The length of time that they spent at the right. cabin.
1: Yeah. When the, in the, the book, they really talk about, you know, how tipped over he was, right? The, mm-hmm. That Andy was. And so he needed that recharge time at that cabin, in order to be able to, to then effectively do anything, right? A little bit of whitewashing with John Rainbird. Um, I mean, you know George C. Scott, love him, but he is not Native American. No, <laughs> and hey,
0: you're a decent tan.
1: If so, this this is my thing, right? Fundamentally, if you want to cast an actor for a part, mm-hmm. fine. If you want that character to be a Native American, fine. But if you want to cast a white actor for a part that's a Native American, rewrite the part. And, and mm. this, is, this is what I would do in an adaptation if I'm like, I want George C. Scott to play John Rainbird, but we're going to call him something else and, and have him be an ex-military guy, but he doesn't have to be an Indian. He doesn't have to wear the uh,
2: Indian serape that he right. did. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Like, that's my main problem with if you're casting a white actor to play a Native American character, that's, that's the worst kind of whitewashing. If you're going to remake right. re- the character to be a white person, I don't have as much problem with it, just like I don't have any problem with if you're going to rewrite Nick Fury to be black. Okay. Um, on the other hand, he he is kind of the best part of the movie.
2: Yeah, it's hard to get a young girl to do the things that she did, although Drew Barrymore did a pretty good job. Yeah, I thought she was pretty solid. Um, but this is another thing where the
1: things that take place inside the head, you know, about the fact that the fire starter part of her is, is like a different part. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie, when she's doing the whole back off thing, I don't think they ever really established it well enough for that to, for you to know to what, what was going on there. I mean, I think you get it, but it was more effective in the book. Yeah. Most hilarious special effect? Is there any question? Which one? Like, hilariously bad? When John Rainbird takes the guy out in bed. Oh, whacks him in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Where> he, like, knocks <laughs> his nose up into his brain and, and for, for like, that,
0: that. Looks like, like he two, dented a two dummy. Two frames of, of a very unconvincing <laughs> dummy in the bed. I'm going to have to yes. try and get a still image of that. <laughs> then... This goes back to my earlier recommendation. Watch this on VHS or in standard definition. Right.
1: Yeah. Pen and scan is your It friend holds in this up case. a lot better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I think it, it
1: would anyway. Obviously. I'm not sure it was high definition, um, but but it was high enough definition that it, yeah. you know, we watched on it. It did say Amazon. HD
0: on Amazon, but. Oh, it
1: did? Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: And it, it looked like it because that's what it looks like happens when you watch older movies that are not properly, like, remastered into high definition. They look very soap opery. Yeah, the lighting is so. It's looks not the first time I've seen that. Odd.
1: Yes, standard definition right. would, would definitely be an asset for this movie. <laughs> you know, the fact is the, the effects were made to stand up to televisions and screens at the time mm-hmm. um and so that's yeah. that's fine but but that that shot of that dummy <laughs> <was awful. laughs> i mean it, it didn't fool me the first time and then right. i then i rewound <laughs> i don't think tim had quite caught it <laughs> no yeah and, or, or, for or my son tim and so, and
0: Ethan.
2: <laughs> yeah when we uh rewound that they they thought that was pretty hilarious that was pretty funny uh still lots of famous people that we haven't talked about art carney and uh louise fletcher as the manders louise fletcher oh oh nurse ratchet uh Kai Wynn. Kai Wyn, Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Uh,
1: oh, and Heather Locklear as Vicky. Yes. Right. Heather Locklear with her hair feathered to within an inch of its life. <laughs> it was very 80s. It was pretty fly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> pretty fly for a white guy. And I, I liked how they did the, they kind of sped up the whole falling in love part, which, which lost the part where they go back and try and see whether or not they had hallucinated all the people dying. Mm hmm. Right. And the, you know, they, they, I like the fact that, you know, you know,
1: I, you, you know, I like an adaptation to take some risks, but I also like some fidelity to the source, and so I like that they showed they at least hinted at the guy who'd torn his eyes out. Yeah, mm-hmm. from the
2: book. Yeah, he needed to leave his handprint on the rolling map, though, right? Yeah,
1: th- th- that's more of a Colin consideration. <laughs> <laughs> I like the nod to it. I don't. I don't need the whole thing. What else was there? Well, so the, my main complaint with the movie is I found it just a little boring. Like it was not as exciting as the book.
2: Yeah. I would agree.
0: Although I'm very hard pressed to find out to think about what exactly am I what would I want more of? I was it- starting to think of the same thing. Like, how could I try to think of how the movie could have been better? I don't really know though. So. Well, for, so for me, one of the more exciting scenes one more when, exciting or yeah
1: was when when Andy came home, found his wife dead. And yes. realized that Charlie was missing. Now, was she was just over at a neighbor or had they caught her yet?
2: They had just left the neighbor's house yeah. in a van.
1: Okay, right. Because, yeah, that's right. Um, and him chasing them down, that to me was very exciting. And I understand it's a pretty, it's kind of a long scene with, with a payoff at the end of it. And so I kind of get why they compressed that down and had him just find her. Um, at the rest stop. Well it wasn't even the rest stop, it was just in their driveway. Oh yeah. Or or maybe a neighbor's driveway or
0: something. Yeah, it was the neighbor's driveway. Yeah.
1: And so I get that. But even, even then, you know, with the fact that he had to do the the grab his head thing to <laughs> to them, it just it made it not as interesting to me. I liked I liked how calm it was. It was kinda of like in one of the Jim Butcher books. Mm-hmm. Um at some point he uh, um Harry Dresden comes up to a like the door of this restaurant where he wants to confront somebody. And he just, he points his wand thingy at it and says, fuego. You know, just really calm. And the right. door just blows off its hinges. Um, and I like that, the idea of someone's deadly effectiveness. And I don't think, I didn't ever get that impression of kind of Andy's mastery of of the mental
2: domination. Right. Yeah. And I think part of that might be because we lost all the backstory. So you don't know yeah. about the, the weight loss clinic and you don't know about the successful businessman clinic. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't use it as much. So in the book, when he encounters the two people that kidnapped Charlie, he says, you're blind. He tells the other guy to sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes into a coma for like three years. Right? Three, yeah. Or, right. or, or three, yeah, three weeks. And then he, he would like get faint when anyone around him said sleep. Yeah. Right. And when they, when they track down the taxi driver and they take the $1 bill- uh, everyone that held it hallucinated it as the $500 bill still it was like the bill itself was imbued with this yeah. psychic energy so it wasn't just a mind to mind thing it was also kind of mind to object right
1: yeah and the other part is and and the one of the really interesting things to me in the book was the idea of the ricochet the mental ricochet oh. where if he pushed somebody just right oh right um, then he could he could cause something to start bouncing on the inside of their around the inside of their cranium and build up to be dangerous. Um and so, you know, Cap ends up obsessed with golf and snakes. Right. And whereas Dr. Pinchot ends up obsessed with his wife's underwear and garbage disposals. Yes. Which which I was glad to not have the <laughs> the Dr. Pincho death scene in the film. because um, that was that would have that been very rated R. Yes. Uh, but that, that concept was interesting to me, that, that not only other consequences to Andy for using the powers, but um, using them and using them carelessly could, could cause really bad effects on other people. And that, um, the Inheritance Cycle, um, Christopher Paolini, uh-huh. um, there's, there's something like that in – I think it was in the second book or maybe it was in the first one where um, Aragon early on tries to give a blessing in the ancient language to a girl – he, and he tries to say something like, may you be shielded from harm? And, and he speaks imprecisely, and it means, may you be a shield against harm? And so she then <laughs> has to rush to protect anyone who's in danger, right? Yeah. And so that, that, that's what kind of that reminded me of. I thought that was an interesting thing in, in that series. Consequences to power. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the series. No, no, I wasn't either. But I, I don't think I'd ever go back and read them, reread them. I read the whole series, but <laughs> I didn't finish it. Which for me says a lot. And I don't... Uh, oh, you didn't finish? You didn't ever read the last one? No. Oh, I didn't really care for the ending anyway. So Firestarter was not a brutal movie. It's just...
0: No. It wasn't
1: particularly good.
0: 39% of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? Yeah. It's,
1: it's like 6 out of 10 on, on IMDb. And that's kind of where I'm like, oh, it was reasonably entertaining. Yeah. If I hadn't
2: read the book, I don't know. What What did Tim think, having not read the book? You know, I wanted him to read the book and then talk about the two together. And so I really haven't talked to him. Hmm. Here, my son said it was crap. <laughs> so, to be frank. Yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, then, I can see that. Well, part, part of it too was we had watched a uh, Stephen King adaptation earlier in the day, The Running Man.
0: But
2: he loved The Running Man.
0: No, I, I, I think the overall the movie was kind of boring. Hey, Cal.
2: hey, can I talk to Tim real quick, please?
0: <laughs>
2: Thanks. Hey, Tim, hang on a second, okay? We have to get an official release from him, of course. So, Tim, can you hear me Okay. Yeah, I can. So I, I neglected to do something for the podcast today. So we're recording what you say right now. And uh, since, you, since, since you suggested Firestarter, <laughs> and I know you haven't had a chance to read the book yet, we wanted to get yeah. your impression of the movie. What did you think? And it needs to be kind of brief.
1: Uh, I don't know what to say, really.
2: <laughs> okay, how about, how about thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, or a thumb to the side. <laughs> hmm. It depends on the aspect
0: of the movie. Visual effects were kind of thumbs down. Okay. Um, from what I've read of the book
2: so far, it followed the plot very well.
0: True. Um, was the movie exciting for you at all? Yeah,
2: I was. Okay. There you go. Would you watch it again? Yeah,
0: I would. Okay. Okay, better so that sounds like a, like a
2: tentative thumbs up, but not like n- not as good as so Edge of Tomorrow or. <laughs> oh,
1: definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's no Jurassic
2: Park. Oh yeah, definitely not <laughs> Okay, well, Hey, thanks a lot, bud See you thanks, in a little dude. while. Cool. I'll, I'm curious how that how that comes through.
0: That'd be fun. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Tim, for your contribution there. Much appreciated. You're you're the first uh, pavement pounder offspring to actually have anything recorded on.
0: That's right. We have we have a spouse. We
2: have no offspring yet.
0: That's right. Yeah, I think I'll probably have to uh, agree with Tim. <laughs> it wasn't a horrible movie. Not a terribly exciting movie though. Yeah. Aside from the the actual fire scene, fire starter scenes, which are, which were rad. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but even even then,
1: I just felt like it was eh, you know kind of going along slowly. Yeah. I, I like the you know the the fact that the people trying to shoot her, that the bullets were just sort of disintegrating, and I liked that. I loved that yeah. part. I wanted to see like a slow motion scene of her. I mean, it, it kind of did slow down right when John Rainbird tried to shoot her. Yeah, and she evaporated. Yeah,
0: when you watched the bullet go. And <laughs> I was
1: hoping for a really really gory death for him. I mean, it was rated R and I wanted to see like his flesh peel right. back and stuff like Indiana Jones style.
0: Yes. That's kind of what I was thinking would have happened, but yeah. it didn't really.
2: <laughs> and actually that left an avenue open for the Firestarter sequel, Firestarter Rekindled. Have you investigated this at all? Only to know that it exists. It was made by the Sci-Fi Channel. It's not very well regarded. Right. Um, but this is Charlie a few years later. Uh, yeah, it's it's like adolescent Charlie, where she's supposed to be at the height of her powers, and then uh, Rainbird actually ends up surviving her attack and comes back. I would assume to be the antagonist, but I don't know. He would be burned pretty badly, yeah, because he kind of looked like Uncle Owen at the end, like crispy critters. Yeah, he's very badly burned down. I got the impression that he died in both adaptations.
1: Oh yeah, definitely in the
2: book. In <laughs> in, in the book, yeah, yeah. He, he was a charred skeleton. Right. Yeah. If anybody, they should have brought back OJ.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he he he, uh, yeah, pieced out. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, shoot a few dogs on the way out. Yeah. yeah. And people. Yeah. Well, he was there at the Manders' farm, right? And, and right. he's like, "Oh hell no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> we're gone yeah. now. Yeah. I'm wearing a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he was he was properly humbled by the first battle. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Understandable. Yeah.
2: Uh, final thoughts on either the book or the movie, or should we just rank them? Good book, okay movie. I want to see a remake. I wonder if there's enough story if it would if it would help to blow it out to be like uh you know three hours as a miniseries. Yeah. Or if it would slow down the pace so much. I don't know. With today's modern special effects, All I right. think you could kick butt on this movie. I mean, Jay McKinney on his Facebook page explodes things and has flames shooting out of things, and sure. it shouldn't be that expensive. Yeah. My
1: my worry would be if you were try if you tried to remake this and make it any longer form, now it would be thought of as a ripoff of Stranger Things because they did a lot of that where they showed mm. her in the what essentially was the shop right yeah um trying to yeah. trying to hone her abilities, um, and and she has multiple abilities too right she she has the telekinesis and some level of telepathy as well yeah um and and some uh, technopathy actually
2: yep and she can flip to the un to the uh, down under
0: yeah the upside I down think i think if they did it right down. yeah i think they did it right i wouldn't seen as being a rip off of that it is it's a vastly different story yeah and yeah, you would is. you would advertise it as you know one
2: of the sources of, of inspiration for stranger things and yeah. bring people back into it yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, all right rank so uh, james
2: book movie
1: Colin, bm <laughs> i think we established the movie is not a complete bm
0: but, but I, <laughs> <laughs> nice
1: uh yes book movie for me as well unanimous right. once again that's two in a row yes um this is uh-oh. bad are we aligning Uh oh yeah i guess yes our cycles are are syncing up guys
2: aren't you going to talk about how bad it was to have such a canonical adaptation and
1: no no, I mean this. It, this is proof, right? That that uh, faithful adaptation doesn't make it a good one. That's right. true. Um, you, you can you can have faithful good and faithful. It's like lawful good and lawful
2: neutral
0: or
1: whatever lawful evil. From I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know what
2: I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, we gotta. We gotta <laughs> do you have like an old D and D starter kit? No. We gotta take stuff out to uh, the orc camp someday. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay,
1: so. Speaking of which, uh, well, not speaking of which, I don't know what I'm talking I about. Dino De Laurentiis. There we go. Talking about David Lynch's Dune, right? Th- right? That is what we're we have queued up for next time. I still have not gotten James any whiskey, um, but uh, we will be reading Dune for our fiftieth episode. <laughs> um, you know, this is, it's fifties. You know, it's a big deal. And um, is that the next um, one? Yep. And okay. we'll, we'll talk about David Lynch's Dune and the uh, and Frank Herbert's Dune from Sci Fi right. Channel. Um, oh.
2: And pretty and we're different to, approaches to them. Yeah. And we're going to miss the upcoming vo- rumored new Dune adaptation coming out.
1: We'll, we'll talk about it. So, somebody will do some legwork on that one. We'll talk about it on the next one. Yeah. yeah. It's Denis, Denis Villeneuve, though, that's going to be
2: yeah. doing it. So,
1: so really exciting looking opportunities. Forward to that. And, and we will definitely go back and circle back and do that after, after it comes out. Yes. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll sign off here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Um, and, of course, we always encourage people to go and, and give us a rating or review and whatever... Place you listen to us, assuming anyone does. Um, (laughs) But until next time, uh, we'll sign off with the Pavement Pounder's Firestarter blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may you always draw the placebo in the secret clandestine drug trial. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Although, you know, I got to admit, you know, mental domination powers can be pretty cool sometimes. Be able to get my 15-year-old to get out of bed. Odds of survival? Low. Low. Yes, I would use it all the time. Okay. Bye, everybody. Ciao. Just make sure my mic- microphone's on. I don't think it would be showing a waveform. My, my waveform is, it's, it's so tiny. I just, I hate the fact that it's so tiny. <laughs> is it a problem that it's so small? <laughs> All right, so a movie. Um, the movie stars Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Let, let me try that again. <laughs> I have the power. I can edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Produced by Dino De Do you know that guy's name? <laughs> De Laurentiis. Yes, Dino De Laurentiis.